Growing up as a kid, my parents always told me I could be anything that I wanted to be. I could be anything that I wanted to be. And as I was in my car today thinking about that, thinking about what God would have for my life, I realized that with God, I can be way more than what I actually want to be. With God, I can be way more than what I actually want to be. I can accomplish so much more with Christ. I've lived my whole life, probably the last 10, 12 years since I became a youth pastor, and even a little bit before that, really asking myself the questions, what do I want to do? What do I want people to say about me when my life ends here on earth? What's going to happen? What will people say? I think about that a lot. You're like, that's weird. I know it's weird, but I, I, I thought about that. When I was an 18-year-old, 19-year-old uh, college student, I heard a guy come in and he asked the question, what's your life? Wes, what's your life? And I, I heard it just like that, Wes, what's your life? He was speaking to a group of college students, about two or 300 kids, and he said, hey, what's your life? What's your life? And I ask myself that question all the time. The Bible answers the question in James chapter 4, verse 14. The Bible says, what is your life? Your life is but a, but a vapor. It's here today. It's that idea of that when you open up the shower and the hot comes out of the, out of the, out of the room, out of the, out of the shower room, and hits the mirror, and it covers up the mirror, and then it goes, it goes away. It's, your life is short. Your life is super, super, super short. I was talking to a guy a few weeks ago, and, and he said, man, how many weddings have you did? I said, you know, I've done this amount. And he said, how many funerals have you done? I said, I've done this many funerals. And I think about death a lot. I think about what will people say about me when my life here ends. And I think about myself a lot when I leave places that I'm at every single day. What will people say about me? What will people say about things that I said? What will people remember about me? Because that matters. It should matter to all of us. And the way you live your life, it matters. It doesn't matter to just you. But honestly, it matters to God how you're going to live, how you're going to live your life. I was at a, I went to go, um, one of the first funerals I ever did, the church that, start, the church that helped um, start our church, uh, gave me money to go help pay for this funeral. And so we raised some money really on Facebook and to some people in the church, and we took a check to go pay for this. One of the very first funerals I ever done, we paid for it as a church, as a small community. And, and we went there, and we, we paid for this funeral. When I was at the funeral, I was there, and I saw about 10 or 12 people there, and I, I, was, I asked the guy, I said, uh, are these people, I said, do I need to wait for these people to finish? I said, are they here to pay their, are they here to pay for a funeral? And he goes, no, this is, this is the funeral. I thought they were just there to do all the funeral arrangements. He goes, no, this isn't the arrangement, this is actually the funeral. And I thought to myself, man, I want my life to count for so much more than just 12 people. I want my life to count for so much more than just five or six people. I want my life to count for so much more than just my wife and, and, my, and my four kids and maybe some people that I influence, maybe my family that are around me. I want my life to count for so much more You've seen the quote probably a handful of times, but I, I wrote it down for, for you today, and it'll be on the screen. And if you want to take a picture of it in your mind here, maybe even a picture with your phone. But it's this phrase that everybody dies, but not everybody lives. Man, what a tragedy to be to go through your whole entire life and, and die, and, and, but to have never, ever, ever lived. That would, that's discouraging. To go through the, all of your life, everyone is going to die. There's a statistic that no one can deny. We've used it here a handful of times, but one out of one people die. Hebrews 9.27, it's appointed for man to die, but in the very end of that, there's judgment. Everybody dies, but not everybody, everybody lives. I saw someone post this week that your story isn't over yet. Your story isn't over yet. If you're here, if you're here and you're today, I want you to know this. Like, man, things have gone pretty bad for me. I want you to know your story isn't over yet. And I think the one thing that we do a lot of times is that we, we compare our chapter, chapter 5 to someone else's chapter 20 or someone else's chapter 23. We compare our chapters, and only you can live your story out. Only I can live my story out. And if you're here today, you're not, if you're not dead, we say this at our church, if you're not dead, God's not done. If you're not dead, God's not done. Everybody dies when I relives. I was writing this sermon this week with Diana. She told me I needed help. <laughs> so I said, okay, you know what I'm saying? I'm not stupid. 
to be right or happy, but she can't be both. So I was like, whatever you say. And she's like, hey, I, there's a poem called The Dash. You ought to read it on Sunday. I'm like, yes, ma'am, whatever you say. And it reads like this. It's called The Dash by Linda Ellis. I read of a man who stood to speak at the funeral of a friend. He referred to the dates on the tombstone from the beginning to the very end. He noted that the first came the date of birth and spoke the following date with tears. But he said what mattered most of all was the dash between those years. On a funeral, if you can get all of you image people, there's a funeral. It's four numbers, a dash, and four numbers. For it matters not for it matters not how much we own, the cars, the house, the cash. What matters is how we live and love and how we spend our dash. So think about this long and hard. Are there things you would like to change? For you never know how much time is left that still can be rearranged. If we could just slow down enough to consider what's true and real and always try to understand the way other people feel and be less quick to anger, show appreciation more, and love the people in our lives like we've never, ever loved before. First, I love First Corinthians chapter 13. It's a love chapter of the Bible. But I love what it says in first, and if you read scripture and you don't read the whole entire scripture, then you can miss out on some good stuff. But I love that chapter. It's awesome. People have tried to memorize that scripture. And it's great. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not blow up and love does not boast. All these things. But I love what First Corinthians chapter 14 verse 1 says in the message translation. It says this, live like your life, live a life of love. Live like your, live like your life depends upon it. Live a life of love. Live like your life depends on it. Your life depends on the way you love people. Love Live, live, live like we've never loved before. If we, treat, if we treat each other with respect and more often wear a smile, remember that this special dash might only last for a little while. So when your eulogy is being read, and it will be read one day, with your life's actions to rehash, would you be proud of the things they say about how you spend your dash? How's your dash going? Like, don't ask me about my dash. How's your dash? How's your dash going? I want to give you a couple of scripture today. And some of you guys are trying to process where I'm coming from today. You're like, man, I've never, Wes hasn't told one single joke yet. And he's, you know, he's six minutes into it. And I really just want to walk through some scripture today, if I can. And I'll give you two things to hang on to. And, um, and then, I'll, then I'll be done. I'm actually going to invite Jeannie back up. And right now she can come. Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5 says this. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart, and I appointed you as my prophet to the nations. Before you were born, God knew you. Before I formed you, before you were in your mother's womb, God actually knew you. I love what Jeremiah goes on further to see what God further tells Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 2011, for I know the plans I have for you, says God. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Diana said it to you earlier in worship that God's for you, he's not against you. I love that song we sang, that, that song that says, when he speaks, we, we move. When he, when he falls, we, we fall. We, we want to just go with him. We want to live lives to do it. But he has plans for good and not for disaster. Psalms 139 verse 13 says this, You made all the delicate inner parts of my body, and you knit me together in my mother's womb. Psalms 139 13. So, Wes, what does that have to do with me? Those are three good verses, and you ought to memorize those verses. And you ought to, as a Christian, you ought to memorize some scripture. Last night I sat on the couch um, talking with Chris, who played guitar today. He's a student um, at Southeastern University, and he's reading through a book. And I'm like, what's that book? He's like, it's this book. And I get on, I'm on my computer, I type in Amazon and put in the, whatever book it was, follow, and I, I bought the book. 
I'm like, I, I want that book. And he began to explain that book to me. But as a Christian, in that book, you should memorize some scripture. And those are really good scriptures, things to know that, that before you were formed, that God had a plan for your life. It's good to know that God has a plan for your life. It's good to know that God made all the inner, all the delicacy, all the intricate parts. God made all of you. He made all that for a reason. And it's so important for me to teach this day because we live in such a world where the world is louder than this book. The world is louder than this book. The world is louder than me. I, a buddy of mine said a while ago that all the wrong people have the microphones. All the wrong people have the microphones. A friend of mine in the back today said, I'm so sick of Facebook. I'm so sick of seeing all the hate. I try to battle that stuff with my social media feed. One of my friends said to me, we ought to put, if we just get all the right people posting at the right time, we can shut down all the negative and all the hateful things. And just because I don't talk about this a lot and because it just popped to my mind, I hope that for us as a community that what we're posting and things that what we stand for, that we stand for this. And if you stand for this, people can deduce what you don't stand for. Does that make sense today? You're like, you can't even spell deduce, Wes. Where'd you hear someone say that at? <laughs> if, you, if you post what you're for and you make a strong stand for what you're for, people can conclude what you're what you're against. I don't have to run around saying, I'm against this, 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 I'm against this. It almost turned to a rap song. I don't have to do that. I can just say I'm for this. I'm for this. I'm for what this stands for. And this stands for God's plan for humanity, which is to love the world so they could be transformed by that love. And that love came in the form of a cross. And so that's what I'm for. And so I can run around, oh, this is what I'm for, this is what I'm for, this is what I'm for. People will tell you what you're for when I walk in a cross. So they go, oh, here comes the preacher man. I don't know if that's negative or, or, or positive, but I'm like, hey, it is what it is. We ought to make a big deal about what we're for. People can figure out what we're against. Here's what I want you to know today. The, based upon those two or three verses, I want you to know this, and I want you to leave knowing this in your heart, that God has a plan for me. I want you to say that out loud with me. Say, God has a plan for me. I'm going to count to three and we'll say it together. One, two, three. God has a plan for me. And, and I'm telling you that now because this week, tomorrow morning, when you wake up, the world's going to tell you you're not good at what you're doing and your people around you are going to maybe hate on you and maybe push you down. But So you're going to have to walk out tomorrow and you've got to become a street preacher. Not one of those ones that says, hey, turn or burn. The ones that tells yourself in the car, God has a plan for me. God has a plan for me. God has a plan for me. I know this isn't youth group in here today, but whatever you put in comes out. I was talking to Whitney today. and All these songs that we sing up here, it goes on a Spotify playlist and that gets shared to all these band members. Well, I sent that to Whitney this week because Whitney, she likes worship. And I was talking to Whitney. I said, I, I thought you liked this song, so I sent you the playlist. And, and she says, oh, I listen to worship music in my car all the time. I said, most people don't do that. And, and I, I realized, I said, I don't know why you do that, Whitney. I said, but the reason why I do it is because I already have enough trash inside of me. So I should have had much, as much positive in me so that when I open my mouth, some positive comes out. Some Jesus comes out. So I tried to put as much positive in. When I, I was in the car at my mother-in-law, and she goes, oh, I love this song. This song speaks to me. Well, I like to put as much positive in as possible. I, I, I know it's weird. I listen, to, I listen to sermons when I run. I haven't run in a long time. I'm prepared to, though. I'm prepared to run. I've got the shoes. I've got the, I, I got the iPhone watch. I've got the wireless earbuds now, Vanessa. I'm planning on running um, a, a two-mile and, and a 10K on the same day um, in March, the um, Winter Park Road Race. I'm, I've, I've got intentions. I've got really good intentions. 
It's like my mother-in-law told me a long time ago when she first met me, Wes, you have a lot of potential. I said, I do. And she said, yeah, you see you know what potential means? Nope. It means you haven't done anything yet. But I'm prepared. I'm, I'm heading that direction. God has a plan for me. In the game of football, they use a playbook. I work out with Brad. Brad's wife is a coach at, at TFA. TFA, I said that right? She's got a playbook. She's been doing it so long. She played high school. She, the plays are stuck in her head. She didn't even have to use a playbook, but she's, she used a playbook, and she teaches people how to run the playbook, and she's gone on to play high school and then to go on to play for Florida State <clears throat> and, um, and uh, have a gag reflex. But I love you. I love you. I love all people. And so, um, But I, she has this playbook and in football there's a playbook and these coaches it, the, the playbook is so extensive that there's pages upon pages and between the last between when there's these the Falcons and um, the Patriots by the time they won last game they've started putting in plays in that they haven't ran before they've been practicing all year long they've been saving up because they knew or they thought maybe one day we're gonna, we have game plays that we're gonna use here and God has a plan for you God has a plan for me I, I, I another way to say this is God has a play playbook for you that you're in he has a plan for you he has a play drawn up for you randy's a big basketball fan and uh and randy said um at the at the um mountain bird tournament last week that the the mountain bird whoever they played against i can't remember who it was but the play that they drew up was was the very first play was was a lob play which is a play where they divert all the players to one side of the court and they leave one guy on the opposite side of the court and they throw an alley-oop to him and that guy comes up and dunks that's how they opened up the game there's a play for you there's a special play for you there's a package set up that god has a package set up for you that he wants you to run it's in this book he's got a great plan for your life. God's got a plan for me. God's got a plan for you. I want to live my dash so well that when I get done, I can say, man, I did what God wanted me to do. God has a plan for me. Ephesians chapter two, verse 10 says this, for we are God's masterpiece. I love that. You're God's masterpiece. Wes, I'm, I'm, I'm raggedy, Wes. You're God's masterpiece. He's not done with you yet. He has created for us, I'm sorry, he has created us a new in Christ Jesus. He's created you new in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. He has a plan and a play for you. Like me, Wes? Absolutely. I love the story of the business owner that I talk with all the time. He says, I thought I was going to do this, but I realized God had something different for me. I love the 20-year-old. I got a phone call this week from a, from a, from a 30-year-old man. He said, hey, man, I just can I meet with you? God's changing the plan for me. I love the the 24-year-old college student just graduates from college, and I run into her on accident at Starbucks. Shocker, I was there. And, um, and she said, I just want to know what God wants me to do. And I, I convinced her, and I want to convince you that God's got a plan for you. And then secondly, I wrote down this. I want you to know this. I was created for more. I was created for more. You were created for more. Whatever you're doing right now, you were created for more than that. Diana said to me the other day, hey, can we ask, um, can we ask Brooke to do this? Fraley was up here running around. Brooke was praying for Fraley as he was running around probably. And she says, hey, can we ask Fraley? I'm like, well, Fraley, I said, Brooke's doing so much. We have her doing this and we have her doing this. Whatever you're doing, God has more for you. And, and Brooke's so sweet when we get done. She's coming to me. She goes, hey, what is it you want me to do? Because I'll do it. And I'm like, no, I can't let you do it because I don't want to burn you out because then that'll be my fault. You know, and so, but God has more for you. God has more for you wherever, wherever you're at. God didn't design you to work a nine to five and then go home and go to sleep and then go work a nine to five and then go to sleep and work a nine to five. God has so much, you were created for so much more. 
you and I were created for so much more. So that video that you watched, it ended with this verse, or start off with this verse, Isaiah 64, verse 8. And yet, O Lord, you are the Father. You are the Father, we are the clay, and you are the potter. We are all formed by your hand. So I brought in some clay today. It's five pounds. And because Jeannie is an artist and a creator, I text Jeannie. I got this clay down. I was like, what did you order? We get Amazon stuff every single day. The, the, all the guys hate us. FedEx, UPS, the post office guy, they all hate us. Sometimes I order stuff that's 80 pounds. The keyboard, not this one, but the one we use normally every week, it's 80 pounds. When I got delivered, the guy looked at me like, I hate Christians. I said, I hate some of them too, you know? <laughs> and um, kidding, but serious. I got a five pound thing of clay. And this clay is, it's crazy because it's just a block. It's just a block, but it's, but it's packaged in such a way that it's, it's still moist. And, and it's, it, with, with this clay, it can be formed into something that looks so much better. Something like this. Like, isn't it something to know that a big old block of clay can be turned into something that's made for God's juice, coffee? I got this a couple years ago. This is from Ebenezer's Coffee House. It's one of the top-rated coffee um, coffee shops in, in the D.C. area and, and in the world. And a Christian man who God's given him so many different locations of churches in the D.C. area to open up coffee shops so that he could share the gospel. And I got this a couple years ago, not because I went to D.C., but because Chris is thoughtful and he knows I'm selfish and I like gifts. And so he brought this for me. That's my love language. This week I got a gift card in the mail from, from Jeannie's brother, Paul. I'm like, I love you. Paul's like, that's weird. I'm like, I know, but I love coffee and you sent me coffee. And so it's like two things I love. And so I love you. I think he deleted me. Um, and he should have, he should have. It's weird. I love him for coffee, but, but it's amazing to me to know that this right here could be turned into something like this. And what I want you and I to know in here today that when God got you, you look like this. You're like, I look, I'm a little bit lighter than that, Wes. You get the point. But he got you, but when he's going to be done with you, and he's not done with you yet, when he's done with you, you're going to look like this. And you're going to love it. Everything you're going through right now, those potters, they, they pound that clay and they put on that spin block and they have the right amount of texture and they, and they, and they work that thing and they're trying to beat it and they're trying to apply pressure to it and they're trying to get it right. And then when they get it just right, then they put it in an oven. You guys know, you guys have seen the, the shows and, or maybe just I've seen the show, but they throw it in this brick oven and it dries. And once it's dry, they, it, it dries hard. And then once it's hard, I guess they, they put this stuff around it so that it seals it and so that it makes sure that in, in a couple of years when I'm, after I get done drinking coffee with this, that it's not going to turn back into this. It stays like this. I want you to know in here too that God's got a plan for you and you were created for so much more. I love this, I love this story of this, of this young man. And I think I just caught it this time, but I think you caught it, but his son had the same brace that he had on. Did you notice that? Dukes, only I saw that. A kid, man, a kid wants to be just like their dad or a daughter just wants to be like their, their mom if they're cool. And they just want to follow you, follow you around. And that's we should want that in the way that our kids follow us. We should want the world to follow us because of what God has done in this. You know, when you see me, a lot of you guys, you see me or I see you. We, we see this process. 
Or maybe we get on social media like, oh, man, that guy, he just hasn't made. But we don't see the, this process where they're just pounding it. We don't see the fire part. Fire's miserable. Nobody, wants, nobody likes to be tried and, 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 and burnt and, and have, go through those, those tough times. Nobody wants to see. We don't post our casualties. But they happen. Like this guy said, he goes, I, I'm, I'm known for a, a blog I wrote, a blog post I wrote. I goes, I want to be known for being a football player. But God says, hey, I'm just going to use that temporarily. That, we're going to use that football that you spent your whole entire life. We're going to use that for such a time as this. And now he's going to be remembered not for his athletic career, but more he's using his story now for the kingdom of God. And God wants you to use your story. God wants you to use, God wants you to help you about this so they can see how you got to this, so they can go in the process with you. God has so much more. And in the next three weeks, we're going to, we're going to a brand new series. We're going to talk more about that. But I'm going to have you bow your head and close your eyes. I'm done. The band come forward. We're going to worship God some more.